Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. The 3 and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Just watched one of the worst games I've ever seen, but that's what I'm here for, to watch Monday Night Football, sling some takes, and do a podcast. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, If you listen on Colin's feed, make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out Podcast. Greatly appreciate it. Also, Middlecoff Mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. I'll bang out a couple at the end of this show after we dive into... Packers-Jets, some thoughts on the quarterback play, some thoughts on Nick Saban in Alabama, of course, this Monday Night Football game. But first, can I tell you about my friends at TurtleBox? How about this, baby? This is the loudest and most portable, waterproof Bluetooth speaker on the market. It features, here's the key, ultra-long battery life. So you got this bad boy barbecuing, playing golf, at the pool, might be cooling down where you're at, inside, hanging out, you want some tunes. That's where my friends at Turtle Box comes in, and here's the best part. Whatever team you're a fan of, let's say you're a big fan of the Tennessee Volunteers, you want to get a little orange. They have pro and collegiate team color combinations right now. Here's what you do. You go to turtleboxaudio.com, use the promo code JOHN, that's J-O-H-N, Get $20 off your first order and as well as free shipping. Awesome thing for tailgating, backyards, swimming, the summers, the winters, you name it. Turtle Box is the best. Again, go to turtleboxaudio.com, enter the promo code JOHN for $20 off your first order and free shipping. That's turtleboxaudio.com, promo code John for the best outdoor speaker on the market. Let's uh, let's dive into the game. Where do we even start? (laughs) I don't know. I think sometimes it's easy to make fun of everything you watch in a bad game. And then I think there are nights like tonight where 
I, I think it's safe to say two of the most polarizing co- uh, coaches right now in the NFL. You have one coach that I've been consistently making fun of now for basically a year and a half. Uh, his just inept coaching decisions at the most inopportune time. And we'll dive into Brandon Staley a little bit later. Even though he had a blitz call late in this game that might be his greatest call in the history of his coaching career. And then you got Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos are just a complete disaster. Penalties, the muffed punt at the end, constantly calling timeouts. It it just, it's a disaster. You're just sitting there going, is this the National Football League? One thing I learned when I was in the NFL, you there are people coaching at non-Division I schools, at Division II schools that are better individual. I'm not talking head coaches. I'm just talking position coaches. I think we believe, and I know I did before I went to the NFL, that just because you're at the highest level means you're the best. That is not true. Just because you're coaching in the NFL does not mean you're the best coach. There are coaches better than other people. The reason a lot of these people get hired is because of their friends, because of a network. No different than life, right? I'm sure you work with a lot of people in whatever industry you are in, and you go, yeah, I work with some high-level people, and I work with some slappies. We all have that experience no matter what you do. You could be working on a car lot, you can be working at Google, or you can be working for the Denver Broncos. Just because... You're at a place that makes a lot of money or is a public job or successful does not mean the best and the brightest are there. That is just a fact. And what we witnessed tonight, two guys, now they're not making Andy Reid, Belichick, Sean Payton money, but being a head coach in the NFL, the starting salary is like six plus million dollars. Now I would imagine Nathaniel Hackett's the lowest paid head coach in the NFL. Brandon Staley's probably right ahead of him. But combined, they make, I would guess, around $12 million. Both of them, to me, if they were the head coach of my team, I don't know how I could consume my team because I would be so distraught every single week that they were leading my squad. I think Brandon Staley is a walking, talking fraud. I I think he's a politician that has no clue what he's doing. A couple defensive calls here and there, but his defense, for the most part, is not good. And Nathaniel Hackett just has no business being a head coach. But never forget, and let's start with the Broncos, because now they're 2-4, and they're headed toward a disastrous season. Nathaniel Hackett's bad. We all can agree he shouldn't be a head coach. I don't blame him for accepting the job, and ultimately he was signed off by Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson for this job. But their biggest issue is not Nathaniel Hackett, as crazy as that sounds. Their biggest issue is they gave a max contract. Like, let's face it, there were some max contracts given out this offseason, and they all look like fucking disasters. Deshaun Watson uh, did who knows what, right? He is, he's getting sued left and right still. Kyler Murray had no business getting a contract, and so far in 2022, looks like a terrible football player. Now, Russell Wilson, unlike those two guys, Never been an issue off the field and been excellent on the field. So unlike Deshaun Watson, no character flaws off the field besides being a weird guy. A little weird for my taste, but never been in any trouble. And unlike Kyler, has actually got it done when it mattered the most. He has a long resume of kicking ass and taking names. 
So I've said over and over, I understood them giving him the money. Now, I have some people that fire into my mentions or into my DMs go, John, you haven't been watching him. He's been slipping. No, I've been watching him. I gave him a little bit of a pass when he hurt his finger last year. I think I would have taken the risk, just like the majority of people would have taken the risk. Well, the risk is backfiring. He is not a good player. You heard Troy Aikman tonight. Who Do you see how big Troy Aikman's hands are? Guy's got massive mitts. He's fucking just, his hands are huge. But Russell Wilson just sucks now. He is so terrible. Like on third down, one, he is nowhere near the mobility and the running aspect of his career is just basically gone. He had glimpses early in the game, but as the game goes, it just goes away. And when you call the right blitzes, he cannot run away from a soul. And then his accuracy on third down, on these money downs, It feels like he's skipping balls. He's overthrowing balls, behind balls. Like, he is just not, he's not a max player. And I think the scary thing is, every single week, we're waiting like, this is the week, this is the week, this is the week. Then he gets injured, this is the week. I don't think it's coming. I think we're looking at a guy that every week is going to struggle to throw for 200 yards. Now that they're running game with Javante Williams being injured, several offensive linemen being injured, a head coach that's, clearly over his head. This whole thing is just an operating disaster. But here's the kicker. The owner who paid billions of dollars, not like Steve Ballmer, $2 billion, not like David Tepper, $2.5 billion, paid $4.6 billion. Now, they own Walmart. They have unlimited cash. I don't give a shit how much money you have. That's a lot of cash. And I don't know if he knows anything about football. He did not even know Roger Goodell's name. But, and when you're that rich, you don't have to know Roger's name. And his son-in-law runs the team. But if you come in new to a business and you see the two people at the most important positions, the head coach and the quarterback, just being a disaster, people are going to lose their jobs. And General Payton, who has drafted really well, everyone's like, you got to take Justin Fields. He took Patrick Sertan. Well, I'll tell you this. So far through a year and a half of their careers, it looks like the corner for Denver's headed to the Hall of Fame. And Justin Fields, I'm still bullish on him, but he's got a long way to go to even become a good starter. So Pat Payton is a really good GM, but ultimately he hired Nathaniel Hackett and he signed off on this massive contract for Russell Wilson. So I would say everyone in Denver right now, beside Russ, because you can't fire the players, especially when you pay him that much money, has got to be walking around on eggshells. It's got to be a pretty tense environment. And you lose to a team that's trying to give you the game. Like, they're trying to give you the game. I was thinking about this tonight. Justin Herbert, who, I I don't know, listen, he's got his flaws and he made his mistakes tonight, but he is a fantastic talent. And he's a really good player. But in his career, at Oregon, he played for Mario Cristobal, who is an elite recruiter. Very questionable offensive schematic mind. Not exactly, uh, you know, Mike Shanahan meets Andy Reid. Then he gets drafted. He has Anthony Lynn as his head coach, who obviously lasts a year and then becomes a, no, wait, he's a running back coach currently. That was his first head coach. And then he gets Brandon Staley. Think about Mac Jones, for example. Mac Jones has played for two coaches, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. Say it all the time about Jimmy Garoppolo. Who do he get to play for? I don't know. Bill Belichick. Kyle Shanahan. So, like, who you play for, and it's weird, like, you do kind of get to control who you play for in college, though I'm pretty sure when Herbert 
originally went to Oregon. Helfrich was there. He was from Eugene, but he's played for bad coaches. Now, Mario is going to be semi-successful in college because he can really recruit, but he's by no means know what he's doing offensively. And these other guys, like Brandon Staley tonight, I people always do this, like, he's not the offensive coordinator. I know. He's the head fucking coach. I go back to the Atlanta Falcons. Kyle Shanahan takes a lot of shit for that 28-3. to And some of it is deserved. But ultimately, do you know what name we never hear? Is Dan Quinn. When you're the head coach, you are the boss. So you at any moment can come across the headset to your defensive coordinator or your offensive coordinator. And do you know what you can say? Do what I want you to do. Run the ball. And tonight, with less than a minute to go in the first half, the Broncos did not have any timeouts. And they threw the ball on third down. The Chargers did in the red zone. It got tipped. The Broncos ended up getting the ball back after they kicked a field goal. And they drove the field and they kicked the field goal. Cost them three points. It almost cost them the game. And it's just basic things like that over and over and over again. Tonight. At the end of the game, they got to call a timeout because the punt team's not ready. It's always something. Honestly, they look like mirror images of each other. And then there was a moment tonight, late in the fourth or early in the fourth quarter, where they are in field goal range. Now, granted, their kicker is injured and has some wrap around his leg, but they're at like the 30 yard line and it's fourth and one. Of course, what does Brandon Saley do? Go for it. Now, if you wanted to counter, well, his kicker was hurt and he's, I'm sure he's talking or he'll talk. I'm recording this right after the game, and he'll say, you know, I didn't want to risk it from that distance with my kicker being banged up. And there might be some truth to that, but I think he would have gone for it if he had Justin Tucker or Adam Vinatieri. I don't think Brandon Staley has any clue how to be a head coach. He shows signs about specific defensive calls, calls a good blitz, takes out Russ, calls a good coverage. Like, he can do that. But there is a difference between doing that and being the head coach. Because being the head coach, like when I hear and I cowards always on the uh, the lack of complexity and just variety of the Chargers offense, which I think is more than fair, that is also on the head coach. It is the head coach's job to dictate everything in the organization. You can't just say, "Well, I'm the head coach, but I'm really the defensive coordinator." This is your problem. Like you could say that if everything's going well. Like ultimately, Sean McDermott been like. Listen, Brian Dayball, you handle the offense. Well, everything's fine when the offense is humming. But if the offense had been shitty and Josh Allen had been a problem, Sean McDermott would have been the one taking the heat. It's on you as the head coach. And it feels watching the night, what they asked Justin Herbert to do is just outrageous. And I can't get my head, my wrap my head around that this guy, this great talent, like ultimately think how lucky Patrick Mahomes got to come in and go to Andy Reid. Hell, Brian Dayball's turned out. Josh Allen got to spend the first four years of his career next to Brian Dayball. Tom Brady forever had Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. That matters. I feel like Justin Herbert is kind of getting worse, kind of feels lost out there. And hell, he's playing injured. And part of this gets back to I could blame blame Brandon Staley, but to me, it goes bigger than that. It's the organization. And we talk a lot about what would Sean Payton be with this team. He'll never be around this team. The owner never spends money on coaches. Look at his last three coaches. They're all cheap. Mike McCoy was cheap. 
Anthony Lynn was cheap. Brandon Staley was cheap. Imagine going cheap on the most important, because when you hire a coach, most of the time, like you're starting from scratch, you're building the team. That guy, obviously the quarterback on the field is the most important guy on a given game. But to me, the value of a coach, if you are not aspiring to get a $15, $20 million coach, that's the going rate. That's the going rate. College coaches make 10. I would want, if I was an owner, like, how can I get a $15 and $20 million coach? Not a guy that I just pay that much money to, but a guy that is worth that much money. Look at what Lincoln Riley has done to USC. USC was a fucking laughingstock. They couldn't recruit. They couldn't win games. Us on the West Coast kept changing the channel. They were so hard to watch. They get Lincoln Riley. Year one, they're destined for like 10 and 2. Why? They paid $10 million a year to get him to leave Oklahoma. That was the going rate. They could have been like, well, maybe we can find a $6 million coach. No, you can't. You got to go for the best. And this is always going to be the Chargers problem is the coaching staff. They've been lucky. Now for 20 plus years, they went from Drew Brees to Phillip Rivers to now Justin Herbert. One thing the Chargers have always done a pretty good job of, had good GMs. They have GMs who can pick good players. A.J. Smith was able to do that in the 2000s. Tom Telesco was now able to do that in the 2010s. But when you have a bad coach, you are, your ceiling is going to be limited. Look at the Chiefs. For the majority of my like post-high school life, in the late 90s, once Marty left, all the way up till Andy got there, they were just a middling franchise. And then they got Andy Reid, and the rest is history. The, the Saints were called the Aints forever. They get Sean Payton, and they became a big-time franchise. The coach makes or breaks your franchise. And the Chargers, for the majority of my adult life, have always had good players. They got good players now. They got Mike Williams. They got Slater. They got Herbert. They got Derwin James. They trade for Khalil Mack. They got Asante Samuels, kid. They got fucking guys all over the field that every team in the league would want on their team. They would immediately start for 99% of the league. Yet you watch them. They're always struggling. Tie game, late in the game, whether they're playing the 85 Bears or whether they're playing the worst team in the league. And to me, that directly reflects the coach. They're always in the same game. They've been in the same game for the last decade. And you can't convince me that's not because they're always going cheap on their coach. Now, they all have different flaws. Anthony Lynn, no one had any clue what was going on. Mike McCoy was just, I don't even know, an uninspiring individual. Brandon Staley thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. So they all have their own different flaws, but they ultimately equal the same result on our television when we watch them play. It's pretty insane. They have been playing the same game for a long period of time. And the crazy thing is, like, they have the most talented quarterback they've had in the last 22 years. From Breeze to Rivers to Herbert. I'm not saying the best. Obviously, Drew Brees going to the Hall of Fame. And Phillip Rivers had an incredible career. Herbert's got a long way to go. But of the bunch, he's the most talented. And it scares and pains me to say that they might find a way to ruin him. Like, he might not be able to overcome that operation, which is ultimately pretty sad. Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, 
and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code Colin for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana, or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 New York, Tennessee Red Line 1-800-888-9789 Tennessee 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming Visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's dive into a little Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and my bald brother Robert Sala and the Jets. And let's start with the Packers. And I didn't get a chance really to watch much of it Sunday, so threw it on my NFL Plus, which I saw is on the docket at the owners' meetings. I get they've they've been having some problems. I've had no issues with NFL Plus. Watch games back uh, pretty consistently on the app. Really enjoy it. Very easy to use. And so I threw a little condensed version. You can watch any game in the league in like 30 minutes. It's fantastic. Threw it on my iPad while I was doing some work and watched and I wanted to start with the Packers, and I it really hit me. It actually, I was thinking about it before I even watched the game, because it goes back to last week when Devontae shoved the dude on the ground. And I was thinking about this. Most people, in my experience, now I've never been married, never been divorced, broken up a, a fair amount of times, but I, I think the older you get, you have friends, you have family members that get divorced. When you're younger, you know a lot of your parents' friends. My parents never got divorced, but parents' friends, they got divorced. And I would say, in my experience of being secondhand in this situation, every single person I've ever known got divorced was glad they got divorced. They were tired of that other person. 
the other person and their relationship was no longer a healthy thing. It was the right move to go their separate ways. Now, a lot of times in divorce, it is not, you don't quite know that until after the fact. Sometimes you know it during the fact you have a smooth divorce. feels like in my experience, a lot of divorces get ugly, especially when you factor in kids. There's a lot of complications. And I think most divorces in business can get ugly, right? A lot of money on the line, a lot of emotion. Most people put like a lot of emotion into two things. Their significant other slash their family and their job. I mean, that's just, that's where we spend most of our energy. So when you go your separate ways from it, it can be a lot. But I think it's finally kind of, it's pretty clear. This divorce never should have happened. Now, I know some people close to Devontae Adams because I'm watching the Packers and their offense is a joke. Their passing game, they're depending on Randall Cobb, who I think is now banged up. You got Watson, who's banged up. You depending on this late round pick from Reno and Dobbs. Lazard, actually pretty good player, but he's basically your best wide receiver. They just do not have enough firepower. We knew this in the offseason. Now it's abundantly clear. And you can say, well, they were successful at times without Devontae. I don't think they'd ever lost. Yeah, it's one thing when a guy's missing for a game because he rolls his ankle. It's another thing when he's not on your team and you look around your wide receiver room and you don't have anything. Like Devontae Adams is arguably the best wide receiver in the league. He's definitely like a top two or three guy. So you remove him from your team, you are dramatically worse. And here's the reality. Devontae, the Packers, they're both losers in this situation. Now, from talking to some people around Devontae, listen, I understand wanting to come back west, be close to your family. I I get it. But as a football player, you all have the small window to win. And listen, I'm not trying to be a hater, but in the internet age, the Raiders always lose. They've had two winning seasons in over 20 years. They really haven't been that relevant since Tom Brady was like 23 years old. He's 45 now. So when you choose to go to the Raiders because you want to play with your buddy, I get it. We all want to do stuff like that. But from a professional standpoint, because you're already super rich and the Packers were willing to pay you. From a football standpoint, that's a terrible decision. And yeah, he's having a good statistical year. Devontae would have good stats with whoever he plays with. They're one and four. And he's being charged with assault. Think about this. Devontae Adams, in my opinion, is one of the higher character guys in the league. There was a viral video going last week about Devontae running over a dude on the Packers, not only picked the guy up on the sideline, put his beanie back on. Then he goes to the Raiders, who, let's face it, have kind of a negative connotation that travels with the franchise, and now he's being charged with fucking assault, which we all agree is stupid, but still, that's a fact. And the Packers, who are an abomination on offense, they are a joke from a passing game. Not because their quarterback's not really good. I don't know. He's just the reigning MVP back-to-back. He has nobody to throw to. So you can patchwork a game like they did last year when Devontae was hurt and they beat the Arizona Cardinals on a short week. You can do that. Any team can. You can't sustain over a period of time the season without this guy. And you're seeing it come to fruition. They got problems. Their defense, everyone's like, their defense is fine. One touchdown in that game was because of a blocked punt. Right? Their defense is not, and Bryce Hall busted out a uh, a long run, which the guy's a stud. We'll get into the Jets here in a second. The Packers cannot score. They have no firepower on offense. They lose MVS. Lazard's basically their one. They're depending on these rookies. Clearly, their star quarterback is not comfortable throwing to randoms. Like he was very comfortable with Devontae. Devontae was very comfortable with him. Do you know what happened when those two guys played together? They won a lot. 
Do you know what happens when you go play with your buddy in Vegas? You lose. Do you know what Derek's been doing a lot of in his career? Losing. I'm not acting like Derek's some scrub, but the franchise, they lose a lot. And the Packers right now are really struggling. They're a disaster at 3-3. Three and three. The Raiders are 1-4. and four. It's like, yeah, just another year for the Raiders. I mean, that's kind of typical, par for the course. And I, I think when I watch the Packers, I go, their defense is good enough. They definitely have the firepower in terms of a running game. Their, their firepower in a passing league is a joke. It, it truly is. Now, we knew it, but it's another thing to see it. And to me, that is the downfall. It's why they get worked for the Jets. Well, why? Jets have a good pass rush. They have a good DB. They have the linebacker, number 56, Quincy Williams. Who the hell is that guy? He's a baller. So the Jets took it to him. And let's talk about the Jets. Here's a simple reality with Joe Douglas since he's taken over. He has drafted very well. They have talent all over the place. To me, the two guys in that game that really jumped out, now he inherited, I'm pretty sure, Quinn and Williams, who's now been on the team for a while, the defensive lineman from Alabama. And he did claim Quincy Williams, the linebacker who was a third-round pick years ago from the Panthers, uh, and they've claimed him. And those two guys, number 95 and 56, dominated that game. But as I was told by someone on the Jet staff in uh, training camp, they're like, I think our best player might be this running back from Iowa State. In these last two games, he's dominated. Their wide receivers, Elijah Moore, who's bitching and moaning on Twitter because he's not getting the ball enough, is really good. Garrett Wilson, the, the wide receiver from Ohio State, really good. Sauce Gardner, stud. So they have drafted these last couple years really, really well. And clearly, Robert Sala is just a solid one. He's a solid guy. And anytime you get a solid guy calming influence in a chaotic environment, the Jets are a little like the Raiders. A lot of chaos always, a lot of weirdness. Their owners have a little more, more money, but media market's kind of crazy. And Robert Sala is just a pretty consistent human being. I think that helps. He's also a pretty consistent coach. Every player that played for him in San Francisco loved him. Why? He's an impressive guy. And you know what's starting to come to fruition? Pretty good coach. So I think they've drafted well. I think they got a good coach. The only question about the Jets moving forward, and I texted with someone in the league today, they're like, they have been it, we've been able to win games simply because Zach Wilson does not turn the ball over. Just play within himself, throw the ball less than 20 times a game, do not turn the ball over, do not play hero ball. Maybe three or four times a game, you might have to make a play other than that. Play within under the umbrella of the offense. Don't overextend yourself. And they've done that. They just won a game with them throwing for 100 yards. And a big reason for that is they have studs a lot of different places. That team is very, very talented. The only question mark I have for the franchise moving forward, roster, good. Head coach, solid. Is the quarterback any good? And this year, he just has to kind of steer the ship. But as time goes on, does he mature? Does he get better? Is he, Can he play as a game manager? It's not really in like who he was when he was drafted. He was much more of a playmaker. And you still see him want to do that, right? Good athlete, explosive arm. To me, he's the question mark. Because other than that, I think they got a lot going for them. You can't turn on the Jets, win or lose a game, and not see the talent jump out from the screen. It's all about the quarterback with them. And I, I don't know. I, I would... I'm leery because people that I trust in the NFL were not big fans. And I watch him. I, it's going to be hard to corral him. 
Like he's not naturally going to play like Mac Jones or, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like ultimately he wants to make plays. And look at those guys. When those guys try to make plays, what happens? They turn the ball over. So it, it, to me, he's a fascinating case study moving forward. The other thing when it comes to quarterbacks, a lot of quarterbacks are struggling all over the league. A ton of quarterbacks won yesterday throwing for well under 200 yards. And I think well, where we all thought the league was trending, that everyone was just going to be able to throw for 350 yards every week, just explosive scores, that has not been the case this year. If anything, let's be honest, it's been pretty ugly a lot of times when you've turned the channel and flipped on different games on these Sundays. It has been a struggle for a lot of quarterbacks and offenses to score the ball, to execute on offense, unless you have Patrick Mahomes or, you know, Josh Allen. Most of these teams, even with just solid quarterbacks, like, what the hell is going on? Joe Burrow actually made a bunch of plays the other day against Saints. But I have some theories here why this is coming to fruition, because I think for a lot of of people is like, oh, the NFL is going to become seven on seven. It's just going to be an easy passing league. And that is not taking place. I, If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know I like to make fun of academia, which is ironic. I got a couple degrees. My mom's always stopped saying you're so dumb. You're so smart. Yeah, mom, I'm, the, I'm not Mr. Intellectual here. But again, got a couple degrees, state schools. But the reality is one thing I learned when I was at Cal Poly going to different business classes that translates to the real world. My, my issue with academia is everything you learn in there, it's nothing like that in the trenches of society. Once you get into whatever you're doing for a living, none of that shit translates, at, at least in my professions, at least for most people I know. Everyone I know is like, yeah, I, nothing carries over. Now, maybe if you're an electrical engineer, obviously some accounting stuff. I, I'm not saying it's a tried and true formula that nothing you learn in the classroom translates to real life, but most things you learn in the classroom are you're not going to take to the real world. Besides basic things that you learn in like elementary school, like reading and writing. And you can even argue writing now, and maybe they're not even teaching writing. I had to learn cursive when I was a kid. Cursive. I, the only thing I've ever used cursive for in 20 years is to sign my name. And let's face it, most of it now is with a finger on a electronical thing, wherever you're at. It's like, who even cares? But not going to go down that rabbit hole. But here's the thing that I learned in school that I think translates very well to the real world is supply and demand. It's very basic and it translates to basically every industry. Good example, last year, housing market, interest rates low, low supply, huge demand, prices go to historical numbers. Like That's a perfect example of supply and demand in full, you know, full go here, right? Cars, same thing last year. No chips, no supply. The demand was high. A bunch of people got a bunch of money and prices of cars, used cars, skyrocketed. My mom sold a several year old car back to the dealership for more money than she purchased it for, which is unheard of. One of the first things you learn as a human being from your parents or friends is like, know this, whenever you buy a car, the moment you drive it off the lot, it immediately diminishes in value. And it's true, except for last year. You could sell it back for like $15,000 more than you bought it for. That might change if we ever get some chips, but who knows? I'm not some, uh, I, that's foreign relation question that won't be answered here on the on the show because I don't know. But the supply and demand of defensive linemen that have come into the NFL, 
relative to the offensive linemen the last several years have not equaled each other. The demand for both offensive linemen, offensive linemen, and defensive linemen is very high. There's a reason why tackles and pass rushers always go in the top 10 in the draft when they're viewed as top prospects. Rightfully so. And occasionally, a guard, if he's viewed as a Hall of Fame guy, like Quinn and Williams, goes really high. The top center usually goes somewhere between 25 and 45. Uh, defensive tackles over the last, I would say, decade have become fantastic pass rushers, so they have also gone very high in the draft. But if you look at a lot of drafts recently, the amount of pass rushers coming in, one, consistently have been very high. And these pass rushers, D-tackles, and outside edge rushers aren't just really good prospects. They've never been faster. The amount of defensive linemen coming into the NFL running like four sixes, high four fives, is pretty stupid. Like It's like, who is creating these human beings? But have you noticed that the amount of guards, centers, and let's face it, even some of these tackles that are drafted have not turned out to be that good? And all you got to do is turn on the television. If you're watching your team, most teams go, God, you know, our, our left tackle's pretty good. Center's okay. We would replace the other three offensive linemen. The majority of decent teams, let alone the good ones, all have really good defensive lines. So the amount of defensive linemen that have come into the, the NFL, let's just pick the last five years, at a, a high end, like I'm talking impact players, have not equaled the amount of offensive linemen coming in. And just a lot of offensive linemen aren't playing into their mid-30s, so even good ones eventually retire or get washed out of the league. So you are seeing, all you got to do is flip around the channels. Most quarterbacks, half the game, are running for their life because their offensive line can't block these defensive linemen. So the equilibrium has just been thrown out of whack. And you watch college football, like, I, I don't know if we'll ever get back to the amount of good guards, centers, and tackles, maybe tackles, but guards and centers coming in the league. And we've ne definitely never had, at least in my adult life, more talented interior pass rushers. So the guards and centers can't block these inside pass rushers. And these quarterbacks get thrown off and it makes you know them look awful immediately. And then I would also say that practice time in the NFL has, obviously, they've never practiced less. OTAs, and I've been going to these practices before two CBAs ago, and then I've gone to practices this year. The OTAs are a joke. Now, you could argue for the last decade they've never been that important. And if you wanted to ultimately argue they're not that necessary, I would somewhat hear that. But in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and even the 2000s, OTA practices, while not in pads, you were building for the future that was going to be training camp. But let's even throw that into the trash. Training camp practices in the history of the sport encompass double days. And offense, more than defense, timing is such a big deal, right? If I'm five steps hitting you before you're out of your break, whether it's an out route, whether it's a deep comeback, whether it's a slant and go, whatever it may be, it's a timing element, the passing game. So in football, they've never practiced less. In college, and definitely the pros. And even in training camp, you have to wait a couple days to get on the pads and then when pads come on, there are no such thing as double days. There are only a mandatory or maximum of four straight padded practices 
before I have to give you a day off. And think about this. Most of these players, your starting players now, at the majority of these teams are not playing in training or uh, training was preseason games. I almost called them training camp games. It's preseason games. So if I have a preseason game, let's say on Saturday, I don't practice on Friday, right? I might do a quote-unquote walkthrough or traveling or whatever, but there's no real practice on Friday. And then on Saturday, if I'm a starter, I'm not playing in that game either. So I didn't practice on Friday. I don't play in the game on Saturday. And then Sunday, the day after, and these are just preseason games, is a mandatory day off. So we don't practice that much as it is, and then I basically get three straight days off. So the amount of practice time has diminished so much in the last five, six, seven years, I think that is leading to more and more of this poor play at the quarterback position. Now, some guys, Mahomes, uh, Rodgers when he's on, right, Josh Allen now can overcome it, but the majority of guys cannot. The supply and demand of your offensive lines and, and this the difference, too, between a starting offensive lineman and a backup offensive lineman is dramatic. And here's the other thing with the practice schedules being so just non-existent is I'm a big believer that we're seeing so many injuries on so many teams because of like the... Uh, sparring factor in fighting. There's a reason UFC fighters and boxers spar to get ready for the fight. Well, you can't tell me, maybe it was excessive, and I'm not even asking for Bear Bryant or Bill Parcells practices, but the amount of times that Bill Walsh, Mike Ditka, Bill Parcells, the double days their teams would have hardened them for the season. Now, and maybe there's another, listen, I'm not pretending to be some athletic trainer to know all the details here, but the independent, constant training year-round, you have to wonder if that hurts guys breaking down because guards, centers, tackles are dropping like flies. Receivers get hurt all the time. So you're asking these quarterbacks, when they don't practice as much, their offensive linemen can't block the defensive linemen. You're just watching football left and right, and the timing is way off. It, it is very, very poor football. And, and I think there are some pretty clear reasons why. And I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. And last but not least, before we dive into just some positive things that we saw on Sunday, is Nick Saban. And I text with someone around the Alabama football program. I said, what's going on? I actually text with a couple people. And one of the first things I was told is, you know, they don't have as many good players as they used to have relative to their competition. And a big reason why is Georgia takes a lot of guys in recruiting that used to go to Alabama. So they are no longer a lock to get the... And when I say blue chip guy, there are a lot of blue chip players in college football. I'm talking like 10 guys. In Alabama, if they wanted of the 10, used to be a lock to get like six or seven. And now maybe they're only getting two because Georgia gets five, A&M pays for a couple, and another dude goes to Texas. And that's a problem, right? They used to have the deck stacked where they were better. I'm talking from an Alabama perspective. From a college football perspective, I, I think it's fine. It's enjoyable. Now, they are still the standard, and they're still really good. But the other reason that I was told that if you look at Alabama historically over the Saban run, they were a well-built team with NFL players at every position. 
And they weren't necessarily built like an NFL team where it was like the quarterback, we got to ride the quarterback. We could run the ball. We had really good wide receivers. We had a fantastic defense. They were a team. Well, these last couple years, and the last time they were quote-unquote a team, Mac Jones, I don't want to call him a game manager, but that team was well-rounded. If you watch Alabama now, they are just so Bryce-dependent. They feel like the Ravens. Not where they're just dependent on Bryce to run, like the Ravens are dependent on Lamar to run, but basically Bryce to do absolutely everything for them. And for the most part, he's been able to do that. But their margins now, they could have lost several games last year. They easily could have lost a couple games this year, even beside the Tennessee game. They feel much more predicated on the quarterback's success. And I I don't think that's sustainable. One, Bryce is going to go pro after this year, so the chances that their next quarterback, I don't care how many stars and how good he is and how much hype he has, is going to be as good as Bryce, seems to be slim to none just based on the history. Like, it's hard to get back-to-back players of that level. But, you know, he might be the number one overall pick. The other thing is NIL has really changed the game. Like, Texas A&M might not win that many games, but they are still getting players that are used to going to Alabama because they cut them big-ass checks. And that's not going to change. As long as they're opening their checkbooks, Texas, Texas A&M, Georgia, they are going to steal players that used to go to Alabama. So I'm not saying... Saban's run of winning is over because even look at him now he has a team relative to some of his best teams which is probably average and at worst he's going to go 10 and 2 but I do think it's fair to say they're just consistent dominance of like they're going to basically win the national championship or be in the national championship every year I, I, I wonder if it's it's over. And looking back, why Saban snapped on Jimbo for paying the players is because he kind of knows it. He knows that this is not a sustainable way to go. They can't pay the most. Uh, they, listen, when you cheat, like, a couple hundred thousand dollars, there's a big difference of giving someone some a big bag of cash and having to guarantee them millions of dollars. That's what Texas, Texas A&M, USC, some of the money I've heard that the USC kids are getting is outrageous. But of course, they're in USC, they have enormous money boosters, and they're willing to kind of, you know, use it through their businesses. It's LA. It's the second biggest media market in America. If, If New York had a football program like Ohio State, like Penn State, like Michigan, in the heart of it, and they cared about it, they would dominate. They would have more money than everyone else. And that's going to be a huge point of difference for Lincoln Riley moving forward that Saban just will not have. And this gets back to his comments at Jimbo Fisher. It makes a lot of sense. A couple things just to fly through that I haven't touched on yet. Somehow Minnesota is 5-1. and one. The Minnesota Vikings are 5-1. and one. Not totally buying it, but Justin Jefferson's you know one of the best players in the league. Dalvin Cook's been healthy. They've won a couple crazy tight games. They basically knocked off Skylar Thompson and end up with Teddy Bridgewater, who's awful, and they're 5-1. and one. So you get to 5-1, and one, all of a sudden you look up, you're going to be 8-3. and three. So they feel, unless Green Bay makes a trade, where I might have been wrong is they're going to win the division. Matt Ryan, I think, saved Frank Reich's job, uh, was not watching that game in the first half because I thought the Jags were going to win. You look on ESPN.com, I'm watching the Niners, I'm watching the Giants-Ravens game, and you just, you just think to yourself, God, Indy's going to lose again to Jacksonville, but this time at home? 
And I'm watching the end of the game, and Matt Ryan made probably the best play he's made in years. The touchdown down the sideline to Pierce. Uh, he almost threw for 400 yards, three touchdowns. A, a, a throwback MVP-type game for Matty Ice. Uh, I, I do think if, if they lose to the Jags and they're 2-3-1 and one with multiple losses to the Jags, uh, I think Tennessee coming up, I think Frank would have been in major trouble. But, you know, sometimes quarterback play and clutch touchdowns can can save jobs. The Bengals, I was watching some of that game. I mean, Jamar Chase is just a fucking monster. Burrow's such a stud. I, I told you, Dennis Allen, like, it just ain't gonna work. And it hasn't been that ugly. They have been right in games. They, they could have won the Minnesota game. They could have won the Bengal game. But they don't. They lose them. Now they're two and four. Now they're playing the Cardinals, who are just an atrocious operation. I mean, Robbie Anderson goes just full heel on the sideline, screaming at his wide receiver coach, screaming at the head coach, gets booted to the locker room. Vernon Davis, Mike Singletary, uh, you know, same exact thing. The difference is Vernon Davis is a stud and turned his career around, top five pick. This is Robbie Anderson. Well, of course, Marquise Brown gets injured. Who trades for him? The Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals are like the modern-day Al Davis Raiders. They do not give a shit about character. You'd be like, John, character is just Robbie Anderson. Like, yelling at the wide receiver coach. Do you think a lot of teams are messing with him when that's what you're doing? Look at the team that ultimately acquired him. Two and four team headed nowhere but the drain. Uh, USC lost. Incredible win by Kyle Whittingham who, you know, I would say is underachieving a little bit this year. They're 4-2. and two. They had high hopes. That loss to Florida has not aged well as Florida has just been a disaster. But that, I listen, we, we are not the SEC out West. Not even close. We, we don't have what Tennessee has in the bag. We don't have what Michigan has in the bag. You know, 100 plus thousand. Everyone in town gives a shit. That's really cool. It's what I'm jealous about with college football. The two places we have that are pretty special at night are Salt Lake City and Eugene, Oregon. And think about it. They're not pro towns when it comes to pro football. And that place at Utah was rocking, went for two to basically win it. Uh, It it was sweet. And USC, I think Jordan Addison, I I haven't seen what his injury is, but he was on crutches. That's a big loss and a big win by Utah. And listen, USC was never, you know, they they were probably a 9-3, 10-2 team. They were not some playoff team. Their defense isn't good enough. And last but not least, I got to give this guy credit. Marcus Mariota has really resurrected his career. Now, he is not some dynamic, like, top 15 quarterback, but he's better than a lot of bridge quarterbacks. Like, Marcus Mariota has nothing in common with Mitch Trubisky. Marcus Mariota is dramatically better than Mitch Trubisky. And given that Atlanta's not paying him much, Arthur Smith is doing a fantastic job. I mean, he basically just went Kyle Shanahan. He ran the ball down the 49ers' throats. And Mariota was was brilliant. He was awesome in the game. And now they're 3-3. Three and three. Um, I, I don't think they have a chance to win the division, but who knows? I mean, Tom Brady, he quit at any moment. I guess last but not least, the Rams. Stafford, nine pick sixes since 2023. Excuse me, 2020. Nine pick sixes. The next quarterback has four. Like, Stafford, I know they won against a god-awful Panther team, but nine pick sixes? I, I The Rams lost their left tackle. I, I, I don't trust them at all. Uh, I, I think they're going to be hanging on for dear life as the season goes. 
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Michelin tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Michelin test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, quick Middlecoff mailbag. Let's bang out a couple ad John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered on the show. A uh, big fan of your show. I'm also a Texans fan. I know tough and wanted to get your thoughts on the following. Easterby was fired by the Texans today, and there were many reports of him being a jerk in the Texas front office. Any comments on those recent rumors? I did not see. I just saw he was fired. I didn't read any articles beside the articles that came out previously of him doing weird things in the past. So I have not seen any of those. Usually when you get fired over a bye week, I would imagine some weird shit happened. What's weird, though, is he's a big reason, at least I thought. Casario was in the building. Maybe Casario turned on him. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't have... I need some inside information. I need to do a little digging before I can really... I, I, I don't have any information from what we already knew about the guy like a year ago preaching. Uh, and we all kind of made fun of him. But I, I don't know really anything about this individual situation. But, you know, I, I, I give Casario a smart move. Get rid of this guy. Believe teams have a Super Bowl window depending on contract situations, span of three or four years, uh, in which the roster can uh, have quality players before losing them in free agency. Of course, there are anomalies like the Patriots, but do you agree with this notion? For the most part, yes. But I also think good teams can use a core. I think the Chiefs are a good example of this. Their core has basically been for five years. Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, and Tyreek. Now, they also had the Honey Badger for a little bit. Uh, Frank Clark is probably not as good as he used to be, but their core guys are still really good. So as long as Kelsey's really good, Jones is really good, and obviously Mahomes is really good, they can kind of put new pieces around them. So to me, if your core is like Josh Allen, Diggs, and you know Milano and Poyer, you can kind of piecemeal it around them. So I... I think it can be a little bit longer if your high-end talent is your quarterback and receiver. What are your thoughts on Nick Casario and what he's done for the Texans from a front office standpoint? Would you mind expanding on the Patriots' way? Uh, what are your thoughts? I, I would say that, like, to me, they've drafted pretty well last year. I know a lot of people thought highly of their draft. 
you just got to start winning some games. And to me, the number one thing they got to get figured out is a quarterback. You know, I, I've watched probably six quarters of their games this year. Not the mo- easiest team to watch. To me, Davis Mills has been a little hit or miss. So I think the question's going to be if they're in a position to draft really high, you know, would they take Will Levis or Bryce Young and just kind of pivot that way? Because they can keep, they got a bunch of picks right from the Deshaun Watson trade. So they're going to be able to reload, but they got to find the quarterback. That division's kind of wide open. I mean, the Colts, Matt Ryan's like 70 years old. Uh, the the Titans are kind of transition transitioning. And the Jags still clearly have a long way to go. So I, I would be excited just from a standpoint of the division's pretty wide open. I think Casario's done a pretty good job. Got to find a coach, too. Like, is Lovey Smith their long-term coach? Uh... Do you think LaFleur becomes a head coach soon, Mike LaFleur? If so, who is the best fit and why? Is it the Steelers? Thanks. I would say no. I mean, I don't think Mike LaFleur, one, his brother's really struggling right now. Uh, Matt, who's the coach of the Packers. Mike is the offensive coordinator for the the, uh, Jets. Zach Wilson just doesn't look that good. And to me, if he's going to get interviews, it's going to be because Zach Wilson's good. And Zach Wilson just does not look good. Now, in fairness, he's only a second-year player. He got injured. But, like, that is his path to get a job. It's to make Zach Wilson be a stud. And he's not close to being a stud. Since Jerry Jones is turned 80, I think, his, his career as an NFL owner, his career as an NFL owner is on the back end. He even said he wants to win another Super Bowl. With the Cowboys defense starting to click, and it's way better than it's ever been, would it be smart for Jerry to pull an L.A. Rams and try to get McCaffrey to try to add more firepower? Another slot receiver to the average offense might help C.D. get open. I see all the upside in getting him having a three-headed backfield. Thoughts? Don't totally hate it. I don't think McCaffrey... Now, I don't know, as you're asking this question, I'd have to look the cap. Does the Cowboys have any space? But like we saw, the Rams didn't have any space and the Rams ate the money. Uh, or the Broncos ate the money with Vaughn Miller. Would you pay more to get McCaffrey? Like, would to me, McCaffrey's his worth on the open market is like a third round pick. I saw someone on Twitter said that Schrager said on Fox that they're asking for two ones. Like, that's laughable. And I'm I'm just saying if that's what the Carolina fitterers telling people, like, get the fuck out of here. To me, you wouldn't even offer. I'd honestly say if you gave a second round pick, they would have to eat a lot of the money. To me, McCaffrey's probably worth a third round pick. He's been injured a lot. His high-end speed isn't quite there. Still a solid player, but he plays running back. Two ones? I mean, Jalen Ramsey went for two ones. Khalil Mack went for two ones. Christian McCaffrey, banged up, is not going for two ones. Uh, I have never been a believer in the Jets until Joe Douglas got hired. He continues to absolutely hit on so many picks and free agent signings. From late rounders to first rounders, the guy is really good. Got to give him his props. Saul looks like he's instilling a great culture currently. Question is, despite how tough the Jets' schedule is so they could actually make the playoffs this season, my prediction is yes. Though the Jets will only go far as Zach Wilson will take them. some point, he's going to have to win them some games. I'd love for him to continue his growth. He's looking more poised. For them to make a run, he's got to be better. Because right now, they're winning despite of him. He's, I think two weeks ago, he threw 20 passes. This week, he threw 18 no picks, not turning the ball over, throwing for 100 yards. Like, that's not sustainable against good teams. Like, you're not beating the Bills with him throwing for 100 yards. Now, he doesn't need to throw for 300, but can he throw for 240? 
I don't know if he has that in him without throwing multiple interceptions. You know, the Patriots are kind of humming now. Is, is, Zach, is this Zach Wilson going to beat the Patriots? Is Zach Wilson going to beat Bill Belichick? Uh, you know, the Patriots are kind of coming now. The Dolphins are in shambles with their quarterback situation, but your team, you're right. I talked about him earlier in the pod. Joe Douglas has done a fantastic job. They've hit on a ton of picks, but they are going to go as far as this quarterback's going to take them. Like, if the quarterback's good the rest of the year, they could win 9, 10 games. If the more and more he's got to make plays, he can't answer the bell, then they won't. I, I, th- I actually think they are, like, ultimately the Giants are just not going to ask Daniel Jones to do anything. But the Giants don't have the talent the Jets have. The Jets have way more talent than the Giants, as they should, right? They had multiple first-round picks the last couple years. So, like, of course they do. But I don't know, man. I I, I don't... Uh, Daniel Jones played a lot more football than Zach Wilson. Now, Zach Wilson's got a better arm, but I don't know. I'm fascinated to watch that little uh, progression. Okay, last question from Ben. How many top quarterbacks in the NFL that bust Sam Darnold would not have busted with better coaching or needed more time, like Carson Palmer? Watching Danny Dimes play under a day ball, he seems improved. Or Geno Smith, he is better. Not great, but serviceable. How does coaching... And time help them. Well, think about this example. Like I said with Herbert, Mario, Anthony Lynn, Brandon Staley, Mac Jones, Saban, Belichick, Jimmy, drafted to Belichick, Kyle Shanahan. Doesn't get any better for those guys. So, like, they've already maximized their ability. Think about Alex Smith, who, when Alex, before he got hurt in Washington, had become like, you know, a top. 12 quarterback. He was never going to be some top five guy, but you could go to the playoffs every year with him as your starting quarterback. He was a joke with Mike Nolan and Mike Singletary. A laughingstock. Everyone thought he sucked. Then came Jim Harbaugh. Then they traded him to Andy Reid. And for about five, six years, everyone's like, you know what, Alex Smith? Got some flaws, but he's a damn solid quarterback. But Mike Singletary, Mike Nolan, everyone laughed at him. I think he is one of the best examples of coaching because most guys do not have elite talent, right? Most guys do not have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert level physical talent. Most guys are, let's face it, Tua, Baker, uh, Sam Darnold, uh, Danny Dimes. Like most guys have NFL level talent, but not high end at quarterback. And Alex is a good example of that. Not a great arm. Oh, Good athlete, but nothing special. Tall, but not like super powerful. And just needed to get with the right people. And when he did, he became a guy that you could win with. Make the playoffs with. Like to me, ultimately, like I want Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. But most people are never going to find Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. So if you can just get Alex Smith. Hell, I, I, I make fun of Dak Prescott because I don't like paying Dak Prescott $40 million. But if I was paying Dak Prescott $25 million, I'd be fine with it. If I was paying Kirk Cousins not $43 million, but $30, like, I like Derek Carr at $25 million. Don't really love Derek Carr at $40 million. You can be like, well, that's the going rate. Well, yeah, I don't really like it. Because I can't, like, part of why Alex was valuable is he never cost the high end, and you could build around him. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's very, very valuable. I, I mean, I think coaching for quarterbacks... You know, there are only so many Brett Favre's who just could probably play for anybody right in their prime. Uh, and even Brett Favre had Mike Holmgren 
and Mariucci and Andy Reid. I mean, think about that. Uh, so yeah, it's it's very very important. Have a good week. Talk to you guys soon. Peace. volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash.